Psalm 133. And then once you're there, if you would stand, we're going to read the Word of God together. Psalm 133. Once you're there, we'll stand and we'll all uh, audibly read the Word of God together, if we could please. Amen. All together we'll read this great psalm. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the Jew of Hermon and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Father, this morning we pray just for your fresh, anointing upon your word. Lord, we pray that you would anoint us to hear. Lord, would you minister this morning by the power of your spirit, Lord, into this body. Lord, we need you this morning. We call upon that name that is above every name, that you would minister into this body this morning by the power of your spirit. Lord, we ask that every chain would be broken Lord, we pray that you'd bring peace to troubled hearts and minds. Lord, we pray that you would set the captive free. Lord, we pray that you would open the blinded eye. Lord, we pray that the old enemy himself would be driven back. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we plead the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over this family of God this morning. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would shut us in with yourself. Lord, that we get our eyes upon Jesus. Lord, that you would indeed, Lord, fill us all afresh with the power of your Spirit. Oh God, in Jesus' name, be glorified among us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats this morning. We've been looking at Gideon over the past uh, couple of weeks, and then... Um, uh, there's a few more messages just the Lord has given me on Gideon, but on Friday morning, um, well, actually Wednesday night, going back a little bit, when we come home from the meeting on Wednesday night, uh, I seemed to take on well, like everybody else, and uh, it spread around the house. So Jack, uh, he was sick, and Luke was sick, and I was sick, so it wasn't a very happy house. We uh, met the odd time in the in the hallway. We got this new language going, uh, and then, uh, how are you doing? Uh, that was sort of it. And then we moved on. And so for a couple of days, uh, we were all down. And, uh, but we weren't out. And Nikki left us uh, with Caleb to look after us. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, it was, uh, I think we've seen him once. He popped his head in and then he was away to the gym. So that was uh, Caleb looking after us for a few days. So it was lovely. And, uh, but the Lord was in the midst, of course. And uh, just sometimes when you're, when you're not well like that, and it's hard to try and get your thoughts. And because physically you're feeling weak, maybe not full strength this morning, as you know, it lingers on a bit. I don't think it's definitely as serious as what others have got it. It's good to see Norma back this morning. Praise the Lord, Norma, we've missed you out. And uh, it's good to see those coming back from sickness and getting the Lord's strength. Uh, but Friday morning, I started to feel a wee bit better. And um, I just sitting waiting on the Lord. I was just about to look over the messages concerning Gideon. I just knew the Lord uh, just really spoke to me very clearly. 
and, and just give me this message for this morning. I want to speak on the precious ointment. The precious ointment. It isn't just the ointment. We read here that it's the precious ointment. The precious ointment. And just as I was waiting on the Lord, He just gave me the picture of what we read here in Psalm 133. We know it's the high priest. We know it's uh, a call, as it were, for unity of the brethren. And in the sense when the brethren are together, together in unity. And I believe this morning that we are together, together in unity. I do believe that. That we have one purpose, that we have one desire, that we need the Lord and we want Him. And I believe there is a unity but then he just looked at that great high priest, Aaron, and I see him, of course, as a shadow of Jesus. And there he stands. I see this is a picture of Christ. It's a picture of the body of Christ, and it's a picture of the Holy Ghost. And we see that as he stands on that head of being Christ in that body, and then the anointing, the precious ointment that's upon his head, and you see the precious ointment begins to flow. And it flows down from the head. The head, of course, we know there's only one head in the church. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then from the head, the precious ointment begins to flow down the beard. And then it goes down into the body. And the Lord was showing me just in that few moments as I just waited upon him that what we need is for the precious ointment just to flow. Because in that ointment and in the flowing of that ointment into every part and every aspect of the body, because if you are saved this morning, you're a part, you're a member of the body of Christ, Christ being our head. And whatever part we are in the body, what we know is we need we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit that He brings, the Holy Spirit brings all the fullness of what Christ has done for us on the cross. It is His work to bring everything of what Christ has accomplished. It is a finished work. And everything of what has been accomplished by Christ on the cross, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then He comes and whatever all the diversity of the needs that there are in the body because there are so many. So many are sick. So many are struggling. Circumstances, difficulties, things that are happening in so many lives. People are troubled. People are sick in their body. People are broken in heart. And so in all of that, there, the Holy Spirit brings from the head, the head being Christ, the great high priest, brings from him all the fullness of what Christ has done for us on the cross and it is the work of the Holy Spirit that He begins to minister in the precious ointment. And in the precious ointment is the answer to every need that there is in this house. So if there is a sickness in the house, if there is if there's a brokenness in the house, if there's a, a, a marriage difficulty in the house, if there's a family that's broken, if there's a mind that is troubled, if there's someone here that's empty, if there's someone that's struggling with sin, if there's someone that's, that, that's just at the end of themselves, 
then what the Holy Spirit, when he has given free course, what he will do is he will minister the precious ointment into the body of Christ. And so healing and there's deliverance and eyes are opened in the, in the reality of this that, and lives are saved. There's another very precious part to it that we'll come to, but then the priests are anointed to minister the way the Lord would want us to minister. How many people know that we are a priesthood? We, we are the ministers of God. The minister isn't just the man that stands at the front. We are all ministers for the Lord. And so we are a royal priesthood, Peter says, and we need the anointing of God to minister in the house of God. And so when that precious ointment begins to flow, things really begin to happen. There's a great king in the Old Testament. One of the great kings, his name is Hezekiah. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, for 29 years. And you know that when the Bible introduces the kings, and when you read through it, it'll give us his name, and then it will tell us a little bit about him, and it says, and he did that which was evil, in the sight of the Lord, or he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Hezekiah was a good king. Hezekiah did that which was, which was good in the sight of the Lord. And the Bible begins to tell us, you can read about it over three chapters, as 2 Kings chapter 18, 19, and 20. And, and he did that which was right, so he, he pulled down the high places, and these were places that were given over to idolatry. He cut down the groves, these these are particular, we'll come to that when we look at Gideon again, but he cut down these areas of sacrifice on the other gods. And a lot of people don't think that this is, this, that this is over, but actually this is all very much, very much practiced today in our modern society. But Hezekiah was a good king. He cut, and then that brazen serpent that, that man then turned to and began to offer uh, worship onto. He smashed that in pieces because God will have no graven images and we wouldn't bow down to those graven images. And so Hezekiah was, he was a good king and he brought reformation. He brought reform. He also experienced one of the most greatest deliverances in the Old Testament. You know, I was seeing through, during the week, you know, with the war and how things are developing there, but it tells us you know, those javelin missiles, I don't know whether you've seen them, that the British have, and the American have a version too, and they're just a lethal weapon, but it's actually profound that these guys can carry like a javelin on their back, pull it out, put this bomb in, shoot the thing, comes out, doesn't, no kickback, comes out of the javelin, fly, opens up, jets, and then the next minute it flies off and takes out a tank. It's just amazing. But nothing like the power of God. There's no one like God. One angel comes, one angel. When the Assyrians come up against King Hezekiah, one angel, the Bible tells us there's thousands upon thousands, upon ten thousands of angels, one angel from heaven, one angel, one angel came and took out 185,000 Assyrians. What a mighty God we serve. I mean, we sing that song, he could have called 10,000 angels. One angel took out 185,000 Assyrians. This mighty deliverance came for Hezekiah. 
And the Bible tells us that Hezekiah took sick. He got sick. Anyone been sick recently? Everybody's hand goes up. <laughs> Hezekiah took sick. And the Lord sent the prophet Isaiah to Hezekiah to inform him, Hezekiah, you're going to die. The Lord told him. Now set your house in order because you're about to die. And Isaiah the prophet turns from the king and he walks out. <clears throat> and as he's walking out, Hezekiah is laying on a sick bed and he begins to turn to the Lord and he says, Lord, but I have been faithful. Lord, I've walked with you. Lord, I have committed my way to you. Lord, I have done that which is right in your eyes. Lord, He's crying out to the Lord, Lord, would you spare my life? Isaiah gets to the middle court, the Bible says, and as he gets there, the Lord has heard Hezekiah's prayer go up, and he answers it, sends the answer back down to Isaiah the prophet. He stops and turns, and the Lord says, tell him, I'm going to give him 15 more years. So Isaiah walks back in to Hezekiah, and he says, the Lord's heard your prayer. We need the prophet of the Lord. We need the word of the Lord. We need to hear what God's really saying today. Hezekiah is healed and restored. Listen to me. While he was sick, you know when you're sick, you're weak, aren't you? You're weak and men are hopeless. I know we're hopeless. We're the worst at being sick. God loved Nicky. We were all sick. It was like, oh, we're all dying. We weren't dying, but we all thought we were dying. But do you ever get a message when you're weak? You know when the enemy comes? You know when he comes? He comes when you're weak. He doesn't come when you're strong because he knows he's no looking. He comes when you're weak. He comes when you're on your sickbed. He comes when you're going through trials. He comes when you feel that you can't make it. He comes when all the troubles... Why does it all happen at the same time? Or why does it happen on a Sunday you're just coming out to church? Or why does it happen when, when everything else is going wrong? It's like, they say it happens in threes. I don't really, I think it happens in hundreds sometimes. It just happens. Troubles. And then the enemy comes and Hezekiah is sick and he gets a message from the king of Babylon. Imagine the king of Babylon sending a message to the king of Judah. The king of Babylon. He sends a message and a present Imagine getting a present from the devil when you're sick. And a wee note, thinking about you. P.S. You're going to die. Don't Google when you're sick. Don't Google when you're sick. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. I've got a pain. Pain on the right hand side. See the doctor immediately. That's the worst thing you can do. Don't Google when you're sick. So the enemy sends the message. He sends him a wee present. Hezekiah is healed. Isn't that lovely? Look at the card. Can you see it on the mantelpiece? Get well soon. King of Babylon. And a wee present to go with it. Lovely. So Hezekiah gets well. And he makes a very serious mistake. Hezekiah invited the king of Babylon into his house. 
I want you to listen to me this morning, friends. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 27, neither give place to the devil. I want to say it again. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. I'm going to say it again. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Hezekiah opened the door. The treasures, the house, the armory, the vessels of the Lord. The Bible says that he showed him all of the house and the silver and the gold and the spices. I want you to listen to what he showed him. He showed him the precious ointment. He showed him the precious ointment. See, that's God's house. Can I tell you, I want to say it again, and maybe labor the point, neither give place to the devil. In a moment of weakness, madness, whatever you might say or whatever we might conclude, Hezekiah put his hand on the door of the house and he opened the door and he said to the king of Babylon, come on in. Bible says that we're not to have any fellowship with the works of darkness. But he gave place to the devil. How many people know that the devil's a thief? How many people know that the devil's a thief? Friends, I just want to talk to you this morning, and I know we need to pray, but I'm just sure, I believe I'm sure in God's heart with this fellowship this morning. Maybe it doesn't sound like a preach, but I'm just sure. Jesus said that the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. How many people know that's true? Come on, you say amen this morning. We're, we're, we're with me. This is, I'm, I want to bring you in this morning. I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. I don't want to... I want us to take a bit of ground because I believe some ground's been lost. Some ground's been lost. Hezekiah, maybe, you know, if you were told you have 15 years left, 15 years, you have 15 years to live, 15 years. That's all you have left. 15 years. I wonder what way you would react to being told you have 15 years. 15 years to serve God. 15 years to do everything that he's called us to do. 15 years to win more souls. 15 years to plant churches. 15 years to raise up. 15 years to sow. 15 years to labor. 15 years to go forward. 15 years to expend everything that we have. The reality of it is, friends, 
We don't even know whether we're 15 minutes or 15 seconds. But if you were told 15 years, I would trust that everyone that's saved in here would say, I'm going to go all out for the Lord. Everything, I'm going to make sure I finish well. It seems as though Hezekiah, somehow or another, in the moment of being told that he's 15 years, he let his guard down. Do you know what I mean when letting your guard down? It seemed as though, it looks as though, and I'm, I'm, maybe you have different thoughts on it, but it seems as though he thought, I can do what I want. Maybe there's a sense of bravado about it. Maybe there's a sense of, well, look, I've been healed. God's told me I have 15 years. I, I can just do this. I, I'm nearly invincible. And so he goes to the door of the house. I can see it. I actually sat. It was as though it was just the way I'd just seen it happening as I sat at the desk. And I looked and I seen, and I could see Hezekiah. It was nearly, he went to the door. And he put his hand on the handle and he knew who was on the other side. And he just pulled the door open and there's King, the King of Babylon. Remember the cards on the mantelpiece in the present? He softened them up. He says, come on in. And I see the king of Babylon walking around the house. You know, we knew a guy. A few of us in here know this fellow very well. Trevor and son Stephen know him, the mom and Brian and those know him. A wonderful testimony how the Lord saved him. But he, he told us one time, I think it was in one of his testimonies. I think it was anyway. If it wasn't, you'll forgive me. But he was a professional thief. A professional thief. So what he would do was he would get up in the mornings and he would put a, a suit on, get all dressed up, and then he would go to a nice middle-class area like the Creevy Tenant Road there and, and uh, make sure there's nobody about. And he would knock the door. He was canvassing and no answer at the door. And then he would start to look through all the windows to see what he's going to come back for. He's wonderfully saved, praise the Lord. But you know... I believe the enemy's come in and he's had a good look round. Listen to me this morning. He's had a good look round. Sadly, some people have given place to him. Maybe not intentionally. Maybe because you're weak. Maybe because of circumstances, but You've allowed his thoughts to come. Because that's where the real battle is, isn't it? So you've entertained what he says. And then you begin to believe his... Many, many people know he's a liar. Isn't he a liar? So then we begin to believe his lies. We've entertained his thought. And then we begin to... Maybe that's actually true. And then know what happens 
he gets what is known as a, a foothold or that foothold actually can become a stronghold. Stronghold. You're not demon-possessed. It's just the work of the enemy. Let me tell you something before I go any further in case people are saying, oh, he's talking about the devil again. Listen, if you talk to any policeman in Balnehenge and say to them, there's no thieves, they'll laugh at you. But some Christians don't believe that the devil's a thief. Some Christians don't believe there is a devil. And so he comes to steal, to kill, destroy. He comes to steal. He comes to take. Hezekiah opened the door and you can see the king of Babylon coming and said, what will I take? Let me tell you very clearly. Jesus, power of the Holy Spirit, the devil is a defeated foe. He was defeated at Calvary. Christ triumphed over him. He's no power over Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is greater in us than he that is in the world. Let me tell you something, friends, this morning that, that Satan to Jesus must buy. But you see, like Israel, Israel had a responsibility. God says, I've given you the land. What did they have to do? They had to go in and they had to possess the land. The battle is in the possession. The battle is pressing in. The battle is taking it in the name of Jesus and by faith. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. That there's actually an activity that takes place. We call it spiritual warfare, but it's very real. What happens when the enemy comes in? And Hezekiah, I can see him walking around the house, all these beautiful vessels of gold and silver, the precious ointment. The precious ointment. The precious ointment. And then the prophet comes. God send us prophets. Listen to me. If ever the church needs the prophets, it's today. Now, I don't believe that there's not the voice of the prophet speaking, but I certainly do believe this, that there are very few people that are listening. We need a prophet that comes and says, what have you done? We need a prophet that comes and says, why have you allowed this to happen? We need a prophet that comes and says, this is the enemy. We need a prophet that comes and says, this is the devil. We need a prophet to come and say, why did you open the door? Why did you open the door? Why did you entertain the thoughts? Why did you bring that into your home? Why did you saturate your mind with that filth on the internet? Why did you open the door that you've been stripped of the power? You think it doesn't happen? You think we can't lose the anointing? You think of one of the great champions in Scripture. What was his name? Samson. Did he not lose the anointing? 
Would the enemy not come and strip us of everything? Strip us of everything of what Christ has purchased for us and all the joy and the peace and the love and all the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit and all the fruits and everything of the peace of God and, and the enemy would come in and begin to take everything from us because we've left the door open or worse still, we've invited him in and the Bible says give no place. No place. Give no place. No place. What does it say? No place. No place to the devil. And so Isaiah is standing before Hezekiah. I want to tell you, friends, this morning, this is not about you've lost your salvation because the devil can't take your salvation. Would you say amen if you believe that? I mean, because if he has, we're all finished. I'm kept by the power of God. I don't even keep myself. Praise the Lord. But this is about everything of what the bounty of Calvary is and what he's purchased for his believers. And so he gets in the door. The joy. Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your joy? Your peace? These are the things that have been purchased for us through Christ that the Holy Ghost would bring as precious ointment. Hey, is there anything like the peace of God? Is there anything like having peace in your mind? Have you ever, have you ever been in a place where you didn't have the peace of God? Where you've been trying... Let me, let me move this in a wee bit. Have you ever, as a believer, lost your peace? I wonder, would someone be honest? Three or four... You see, we really do need to be honest in the battle that we are in because the enemy will come and then he begins to torment your mind. He begins to play with you. Plays with your mind, doesn't he? Doesn't he play with your mind? Anyone else? Anybody else that the devil plays with your mind? That's, that is your battlefield. Come on, isn't it true? I just wanted to be this way this morning. He plays with your mind. He, he fires darts. The Bible says that he fires fiery darts, fiery darts. We, we are given a shield of faith whereby we can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. But what happens when our faith is down and we're weak and we entertain the thoughts and the darts come? They come. Has, has anyone ever experienced a fiery dart from the enemy? Would you say amen? This, I'll tell you why I want you to say amen and agree. Because there's someone beside you that thinks that they're the only one. And that's one of the dislikes I have about church life. And it's how the enemy works. You're the only one. No, you're not. That's a lie in itself. Remember, he can't tell the truth. So when he's telling you, you're the only one. No, you're not the only one. In a moment of weakness, your shield's down. And the fiery darts begin to fire. It's real, isn't it now? Hezekiah, what have you done? What have you done? What have you opened the door to? And then, do you know when our thoughts, you know what happens? It affects our conversation. Doesn't it? Oh, come on, doesn't it? But see, when you start to think wrong, do you know what happens? You start to speak the wrong way. Isn't it true? 
Isn't it true? We start to talk in a negative way. I don't want to sound, that sounds a wee bit, um, all this modern psychology, you're talking negative. I don't go into all that stuff. I'm just saying we don't talk according to God's word. That's what, do you understand what I mean? It's not about negative talk. We, we, we start to talk outside of the context of what he says. So we begin to talk in a, in a way that brings, it actually brings a bondage on our lives. It brings defeat. It brings death. It brings death. And when you start talking about it at the end of it, you don't feel uplifted. You don't feel encouraged. You don't feel, oh, praise the Lord, I'm just so happy today. Actually, you feel depressed. And I hate using that word depressed, but it's a reality. Your spirit begins to sink because your conversation and your words, and you're justified by your words and you're condemned by your words, then your words begin to have an effect on who you are and what way you think and what way you talk. And actually what happens is it creates a strategy of the enemy, even within the body of Christ, and hindrances to the power of God moving and the healing power and the precious ointment. Because we've talked the wrong way. We think the wrong way. Well, nobody knows. I don't really care. This you do. Listen, the Bible says give no place to the devil. So Hezekiah showed him the house. And the prophet standing saying, what have you done? Hezekiah, what have you done? Who are these men? Do you know what Isaiah is saying? I believe this. Do you know what he's actually saying to him? Hezekiah, there's a threshold there that's soaked with precious blood. He's no right to pass that threshold only if you invite him in because he's no power to get beyond the blood. No power. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, loved not their lives unto death, but in weakness, he pulled the door open. And the prophets stand and say, what have you done? What have you entertained? Friends, I want to tell you this morning, some of you are shells. I say this with the love of God. Say this with the love of God. The devil stripped the house of everything. The house is still the Lord's, but you've allowed him to strip the house of everything. You have no peace. You have no joy. You have no hope. You have no purpose. You're an empty shell, but yet you function in some particular way. But you see, what you did was you opened the door and invited him in. Can I tell you something? He never comes dressed like the devil. You know that, don't you? No, he'll come. Paul says he might even appear as an angel of light. He might even appear as an angel of light. The Bible says, give no place to the devil.
In the Old Testament, the precious ointment is translated as the beautiful, the bountiful, the cheerful, the finest, the precious, the wealth, the welfare, or the well-favored ointment. This is precious ointment, isn't it? You see, if I said to you this morning, you know, we pray for the sick. Why do, does anybody know why we pray for the sick and anoint them with oil? It's a simple. Because the Bible tells us to, praise the Lord. That's why we do it. Doesn't the Bible say? I, I mean, it, I know it's not practiced in many churches today. It's never practiced in any way that the elders would do this. I thank God that our elders will do that. Thank God that one of them that's anointing you with oil was healed of a cancerous tumor. I mean, we're blessed, aren't we? I want to move you from the spiritual for a moment right into the physical, okay? I'm saying this before I, I lay this example out. There's nothing in the oil, okay? Everyone say there's nothing in the oil. Don't go out and say, pastor's got really special oil. The pastor doesn't have special oil. It doesn't matter where it's from Jerusalem or wherever it's from. It's just oil from down the road. Elaine probably got it in Lytle, okay? It's just ordinary oil. But when Samuel stood with David with the horn of oil, the symbolism of it is this. He took the horn of oil. David stood before him. You remember in the Old Testament, there were priests, there were prophets, and there were the kings that were anointed. Those three, they were shadows of the anointed who is our prophet, priest, and king as Jesus, the Messiah. And so when Samuel poured the oil onto David's head, the Bible then says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. There was a symbolism in the oil. Symbolism. But in the physical, if I said to you this morning that the precious ointment that I'm talking about is the oil, right? And that's what religion has done. Then they sell it in the bucket loads. That's what the Catholic Church do. Remember years ago, centuries ago, they, found, they said they found the actual cross that Jesus died on. They started selling carvings, actually little sheaves off the cross. They started selling it to everybody and said, well, plenty more where it came from. That's religion, right? So that's why none of that, none of that. But if it was in the oil, man, you came in the church this morning and in your thought, you knew that there actually is oil. And in the oil, it's the precious ointment. And in that precious ointment, that's my healing. In that oil, that's my deliverance. In that oil, that's my healing for my mind. In that oil, that's my deliverance. In that oil this morning, whenever chain there is in your life, that could be broken. And if it was in the oil, I would think, now this is what I would think could be wrong, right? But I would think that when we come to the time of, does anybody need prayer? We're going to anoint you by oil. Stephen, I'm standing here, Brian, myself, I want to tell you something. I would think, am I wrong in saying this, but I would think that there'd nearly be a fight in the queue. <laughs> Me first. Would, would that be? It's nothing in the oil, remember that? 
But I'm going to tell you something. As real as you're looking at that in the natural, it's as real by faith. It's all as real by faith. What have you done? What's the church done? What have we done? What have we done? See, I, I don't need to purchase oil. The Bible says that he that is without money, let him come. But you know what it is? It's our faith. You know what's happening today? I believe this is happening. Jesus stood with Peter. And he said, Peter, the devil's trying to get you. And he's going to sift you as wheat. I want to tell you there's a sifting going on in the church of Jesus Christ and there's a sifting going on amongst God's people in New Testament Pentecostal church bound the hinge. I've got great news for you. There's one in the glory. And he says, but I'm praying for you. Let your faith praise the Lord. Says, oh, we're nearly ready for an ordinary commerce. Praise the Lord. It's not going to fail. Anna, it's not going to fail. It's not going to fail. You know, when you're sifted, it's like being put in a riddle. That's what it means. And then you start to get a good shaking. Anybody like getting a good shaking? Anyone ever say to you, you need a good shaking? <laughs> There's a spiritual shaking, friends. You see, this precious ointment, this ointment, this anointing, the Bible says, and we sing it often, to appoint unto them the morning's hand. Precious ointment gives beauty for ashes. The precious ointment gives the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Jesus was anointed of the Holy Ghost and went about, the Bible says, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. There's healing in the precious ointment. It's an oil that binds up Every wound. Remember the man lying, abandoned, broken, and bruised. Not good Samaritan, that's Jesus. He came along. What did he do? He poured in the oil. There's oil to be poured in this morning. There's oil to be poured in. That oil brings peace to the troubled mind. The psalmist says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. What does he do? He anoints. I want to tell you something. When the oil comes on the head, it brings peace to a troubled mind. And it's imperative as I'm closing, because I do want us to pray this morning. When you see that high priest standing, he has everything in its place. The mitre, ephod, standing fully garmed. 
The garments are on him. Everything's in its place. But friends, for that priest to function, do you know what he needs? He needs the oil. Do you know what we've been doing for years and years and years and years? Too long now in this country. We have everything in its place. Everything's done, and I believe this because it's scripturally decently and in order. But no Holy Ghost. No Holy Ghost. Everything's perfect. Everything's right. Everything looks the part. But no oil. I want to tell you something, friends, this morning. Who opened that door? Who opened that door? Who let him in to strip the house of everything, of all that the Lord has purchased for us on Calvary? I want to tell you something. It's about time we give the devil his marching orders. It's about time we took back the ground it's about time we possessed everything of what Christ and nothing less what he has purchased for us at Calvary. And how do we do it this morning? We say, Lord, forgive us for giving place to the devil. Forgive us for that. And this morning by faith, Lord, you rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus. And by faith this morning, Lord, I'm going to lay hold of everything that you have. If you lost your peace, you get it this morning. If you're sick, you get your healing this morning. If you've got a bondage in your life, you get set free this morning. Do you hear me? If you're empty this morning, you get filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. Don't allow religion or death or tradition to hold anybody back in this house. I want to tell you, friends, you need the anointing of God. We all need the anointing. Here's something about that high priest. I'm closing with this, but it's very important. It's in Exodus 30, 32, and it says these words. You can turn to it, Exodus 30 and 32. This is important. This is important. Exodus 30, 32, it says, Upon, Exodus 30, 32, Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured. Did you hear that this morning? Upon man's flesh it will not be poured. I want to tell you, friends, this morning it will flow the hair, the beard, right down the skirts and everywhere, but it never touched the flesh. And the anointing never will. Put that flesh down this morning. Put all the ambitions down. Put all the self down. If it's one purpose and it's Christ alone, let the anointing break every yoke. It's time to put them out, friends, and claim this ground for Jesus. That's not an emotional thing. That's a faith thing. Faith puts the devil to flight this morning. I think we've given place for too long. Would anyone agree? And this morning, we need the anointing, the precious ointment, the precious ointment. Thank God it's still in this house. It's still in this house.
And it will flow today for everyone who comes in faith believing. Praise the Lord.